There they go. It's only an hour. Jeff and Jordan. Now it's time for the award-winning Midday with Trey and BK. Loaded show today. We'll talk plenty of NFL football. Of course, Super Bowl 58 is set. And then our man Justin Wells from Inside Texas, longtime guest of the Midday program, will be joining us at 1230. We'll talk Texas football. We'll talk some Texas basketball and catch up with uh, one of our favorites. So a lot to get into over the next 50 minutes and change. How was your weekend? It was good. Not too eventful. Watched some football yesterday intertwined with youth, youth basketball games. And today's where we at has to do with a parental decision I made or some choice words I had for one of my kids. And we'll, we'll check that with BK's parental advice of the week to see how you might have handled this situation. Hmm. But all in all, it was a, a nice, relaxing weekend. How about you? Did you go Rodney Terry and start berating the kids on the other team at the youth sporting event? Or were you just talking to your kids? I may have berated my my own kid. Oh, and I also saw uh, Ari Shafir at the Comedy Mothership on Saturday night. He is fucking hilarious. Yeah, I don't even have to ask how good of a show that was. I'm sure that was sensational. The guy's awesome. One of us. We'll take credit for him. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, not so much. We're trying to trade him. How about you? How was your weekend? Good weekend, man. Good weekend. A lot of old stab beers were consumed, which always makes it a good weekend. Played some golf on Friday, the worst golfing conditions I've ever played in because mm. uh, the weather just did not cooperate. There were just puddles on the fairway. Not ideal, but uh, fine. And then obviously watched football yesterday, and we got two, two great games, uh, great in different ways. Both were incredibly entertaining. Both were one-possession football games that came down to the final minutes. I think most football fans who did not have a rooting interest are disappointed by the two results we got yesterday. I feel like most football fans wanted Lions-Ravens, and instead we got neither the Lions nor the Ravens. But uh, great day of football, and it's bittersweet. Like, always cool when the Super Bowl comes around, but also sad that you realize this is the last football game we're about to have for, like, seven months. Sucks. Yeah, and there's a bit of a chasm between the championship weekend and the Super Bowl, too, that two-week window. And if you're at the Super Bowl, which we may very well be at Super Bowl, uh, future Super Bowls, then it is a little bit more enjoyable. But for everybody else, it's time to start generating random shit to talk about because we can only talk about this matchup so much over the next two weeks. How's your golf game doing, by the way, before we get into those games? What about the Pro Bowl? You're just dunking on that? I, I mean, yeah. The Pro Bowl games? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll it's bet on it. fucking Nickelodeon here, okay? I don't, yeah. I don't care to watch grown men play even more childlike games than they already do. I'll be on bet U.S. betting on the Pro Bowl. I can tell you that much. Looking forward won't to that. Won't be or will be? I will be. Mm. Yeah, I'm running out of football to bet on. So I guess we'll have the XFL, which will, uh, will help my cousin get his him fix make sure you get those pronouns right um my golf game yeah not great i played fine on friday but like i was kind of getting into a rhythm in houston before i moved back and i was able to play a lot more down there than i have been up here so coming up on six months of being back in austin texas usa america the greatest city in the world i've probably played golf twice in that stretch and some people swear if you take time away from golf, like when you come back, you'll be a lot better. 
Uh, that's not the case. I, I forgot how to play. So I'm basically relearning from scratch again. Mm. So uh, we're getting there. Hopefully when the weather warms up, we'll have a few more days on the course. But yeah, yeah I need to get out there and play. Are you playing in the mullet open again this year with Buck? I guess I'm like the freaking D minus player on my team. Hmm. Everybody else. I've, there are a couple of guys who are pretty, one guy's really good. One of my brothers is pretty good. The other brother's decent. And I am just, I just suck. Damn, you're rounding up with the D minus. I think what's that you're rounding up with the D minus grade. I think F, F is fine. I'm fine. Accepting the F I literally play golf once to twice a year. So there you go. I know what it is. I may try and, I don't like going to Top Golf. I feel like Top Golf, Top Golf, excuse me, gives you a false sense of confidence with what your game actually is. But I'll probably go to a driving range once or twice before I go out there just to try and get some semblance of a swing back. But ultimately, it's going to be ugly. Mm. If I can avoid having to tee off most holes, then I'm already in a, a great place and. Fortunately, between my brother and my friend who'll be playing with us, they crush the ball. So that's usually not going to be a problem. Yeah. And the scramble, just just hit a couple of putts, you know, and you'll uh, exactly. do your job for your team. That's what I've learned. Uh, all right. Well, let's go in order. Obviously, two games yesterday. We'll start with the AFC Championship. Kansas City 17, Baltimore 10. The Chiefs did not score a single point in the second half. It was their defense, which was what got them to this point. They showed up and showed out holding Baltimore to just 10 points on the road yesterday. Uh, man, for Baltimore, some costly turnovers. Lamar Jackson had two. Zay Flowers, obviously, the fumble at the goal line that turned into a touchback for the Chiefs. I mean, so many missed opportunities for Baltimore. They've got to be thinking that's a game that they should have won. But the Chiefs, they do what they do at this time of the year. I think the experience really mattered in both of these games, but especially the early one yesterday, obviously the sixth straight. AFC title appearance for the Chiefs, and they are now headed to their fourth Super Bowl in the last five seasons. Just this remarkable dynastic run that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs have been on for more than a half decade now continues. Big time performance by them. The defense stepped up. Mahomes made the big throw late. And, well, like clockwork, the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Just when you think they may have met their match in terms of flaws within the team, wide receivers who aren't reliable, various teams that they're going up against that are playing really good football, the Bills, the Ravens, none of it matters because it's Pat Mahomes, it's Andy Reid, it's Travis Kelsey. It's a defense that may be more talented than any defense that he has gotten to work with in terms of uh, that complimentary football bit. And... In the end, the Chiefs are making a return trip to the Super Bowl. None of us should be surprised. I guess this could change before we get to uh, that Super Bowl Sunday. I don't see how I pick against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs at this point. Even if San Francisco, top to bottom, is a better football team, I'm just done getting burned. I'm done not believing. Like I've gone from believer to non-believer this year because this this was a team that that was not – that was far from perfect, but they get their shit together when it matters the most. And you can't say that about a lot of individuals or a lot of teams. I mean, Lamar Jackson is what, two and four in playoff games now. Pat Mahomes' record is insane. Andy Reid, by the way, hasn't lost to a former assistant in a playoff game either. And Travis Kelsey is able to turn back the clock and 
have one of those old school performances to set the catch record in the postseason, surpassing Jerry Rice. He's really close on yardage now, and then also total touchdowns too. It just continues to remain impressive to watch. And we'll get to Lions fans in a little bit because they're uh, they're eating a different sort of tur- turd burger. But Ravens fans are going to have to eat this one all offseason because yeah. they got away from what made them so good offensively throughout the course of the year. I mean, the the they had 16 total carries on the game. Most of the running backs did, topped out at three carries. Lamar Jackson has something like eight. That's... Not, that's not Ravens football. As a matter of fact, that plays into what that Chiefs defense does the best in terms of covering the pass, too. So uh, the, the turnovers obviously hurt them, but the fact that their game plan was seemingly disoriented uh, certainly didn't help their cause because the Ravens defense, even though they gave up uh, those two touchdowns at the beginning of the game, they they did their job for the most part. They held this Chiefs <laughs> offense in check. Yeah, the offense wasn't able to do shit in the second half. The Ravens' offense was never able to do its part. You hold Patrick Mahomes to 17, you should win 10 out of 10 times. I mean, seriously. The Ravens have a great defense. They were, what, number one in the NFL in scoring defense this season. So if any defense was going to be able to slow Patrick Mahomes, it makes sense that it was them. But yeah, in a playoff spot, the Chiefs didn't score in the second half. They scored 17 total points, and it felt like Kansas City couldn't even get a first down in that second half. You've got to find a way to do enough offensively to win that game, and Baltimore didn't. And you're right. I mean, Todd Munkin, there's a lot of blame to go around Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's going to wear it for a while. Zay Flowers is obviously going to wear it for a while. Everyone in that locker room is uh, going to take heat for that game going down the way that it did. But Todd Munkin, dude, Gus Edwards had one carry in the first half. It went for 15 yards. You think Steve Sarkeesian abandoned the run game against Washington? (laughs) Look at what Baltimore did. And you said it. KC is a top five secondary, and they had a bottom five run defense in the regular season. Like, that was the weakness of their defense. And when Baltimore did run it, they had success. Yet they were play calling like they were down by four touchdowns the entire game. It's like, what are you thinking? They just, they panicked. The players did, but also the coaches did too. And Todd Munkin, I mean... I know it's it's new for him in the NFL, but God, he was a part of a couple of national championship teams at Georgia. He's been a part of play calling in big games before. He looked way in over his head yesterday. And Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs DC, just out everything to him yesterday in that sort of head-to-head matchup. So yeah, I mean, you know, criticize Lamar. Two bad turnovers, bad sacks. He wasn't great at all. He wasn't good yesterday, but God, I I thought the offensive coordinating for Baltimore was atrocious. That game plan against that defense made zero sense, and I think that's a huge part of why they only scored 10 points. Yeah, obviously, Roquan Smith jumping offside like he did near the end of the game, that was a uh, a painful mistake for the Ravens' defense. And then also allowing that deep pass on the third and short, and what a, what a, uh, what a great play for Pat Mahomes and uh, MVS and – making that catch and essentially sealing the deal there too. Yeah. And one last thing before we get to the other game, you know, Patrick Mahomes is now tied for third in NFL history with 14 playoff wins. It's behind only Tom Brady and Joe Montana. Patrick Mahomes is 28 right now. And look, Tom Brady's got 35 playoff wins and Mahomes is at 14. So long way to go to catch up to Tom Brady, but remarkable that this guy is behind the two goats already. 
at this point in his career. Mahomes could retire today. He doesn't even have to play in the Super Bowl, and he'd walk into the Hall of Fame. And this guy has 10, 15 more years. You see quarterbacks playing into their 40s now. I don't know if Mahomes is going to be that guy, but like this dude is in the first half of his career, and he's got this Hall of Fame resume already. It's, it's just insane. It's about to be the first quarterback under the age of 30 to get to four Super Bowls, to start four Super Bowls. Yeah. Add to that record next year before he actually fucking turns 30. Yeah. <laughs> get to five before the age of 30. I don't know why the 2025 Super Bowl odds are out, but I got an email for the Super Bowl next year, which I haven't even played the Super Bowl this year, so it feels very weird. Uh, but the Chiefs are the favorite for Super Bowl 59, if you were curious. So, so they're not favored in two weeks. San Francisco opened up as a two and a half point favorite. Money's already coming in on Kansas City. People are like you. They're like, I'm tired of betting against this guy. I'm not, I'm not doing it again. Uh, lines down to like one right now in Vegas. We'll see where it ends up when we get to Super Bowl Sunday. But yeah, remarkable what uh, White House, Texas, Patrick Mahomes continues to do. Other game, Trey. Oh, boy. You were almost so perfect. You went out on a limb on Friday, and you said the Lions are going to win by double digits. I thought you were crazy. Everyone thought you were crazy, but you were confident that the seven-point dogs were going to go into San Fran and not only beat the Niners, but beat them down. And for about a half, you couldn't have been more right. 24-7 to at recess. But you talk about a tale of two halves. That's what uh, yesterday was. The Niners outscoring the Lions 27-7 to in the final 30 minutes to get the come-from-behind victory. A total choked up. The most Detroit Lions way to lose a football game ever, Trey. And the Niners are headed back to the Super Bowl. And it was playing out how I envisioned it would, too, BK. I thought that the Lions would get out early and it would force San Francisco to have to throw the ball too much. And it did. Up to the point where Brock Purdy throws that ill-advised deep ball that boinks off the Lions DB's face mask and into Brandon Ayuk's hands. And look, I know the Jameer Gibbs fumble was a pivotal moment and Dan Campbell going for it on a couple of fourth downs where he probably needed to kick a field goal. And I understand what Dan Campbell is, but every situation is different. Things can't be that binary. They can't be that black and white. That is the moment where things really started to crumble for Detroit. Because if Brock Purdy does what he has done so much in the past, especially in his last few years at Iowa State, and throw an interception right there, the game is effectively over. Detroit is winning that game by double digits most likely. But it's funny how the sports gods have a say in all of that. And so Ayuk comes up with a pretty incredible catch. San Francisco punches it in quickly after that. Jameer Gibbs fumbles player two into the Lions next drive San Francisco for scores again quickly and then at that point you realize exactly what's going to on you can see it on the Lions players faces on both sides of the ball you can see it on the 49ers players faces too Detroit did still have a chance in that game but a combination of things guys dropping the football and their coach the compassionate meathead going more meathead than compassionate and understanding when he needs to just accept the three points versus insisting on going for it the funny thing is is I feel like the one fourth and short that he should have gone for at BK at the end of the half, that's when they just decided to kick the field goal mm -hmm. from the two-yard line. I know it was fourth down. You didn't have another play there. and There was like five or six seconds left on the clock. I thought that was the perfect time 
to try and uh, go for the throat and score the touchdown right there. But he kicked the field goal. He didn't even hesitate. Kicked the field goal there and then goes for it on those two fourth downs in the second half that uh, help his team lose the game. Yeah. There's no other way to, to state that. And by the way, the Lions kind of screwed themselves at the end of that game too because they needed two scores. They were down by 10 points. They got too close to the end zone. So it forced them to try and get the touchdown right there versus getting the quick field goal, kicking off, having the three timeouts to stop San Francisco running the football. If you can keep them from getting a first down, you're going to get the ball back there. So they screw themselves by getting too close. And then they screw themselves again. And I don't know if it was a Dan Campbell or Ben Johnson decision for trying to run the ball on third down. I think everybody in the stadium knew that was coming. Obviously the 49ers defensive front knew it was coming because they stuffed Dave Montgomery. You had to call the timeout there. And at that point, it's like, regardless of whether they score the touchdown here, they're pretty much screwed because with the current rules in place, it's next to impossible to get that onside kick. So uh, them not getting it on third down and having to use that timeout essentially ended the game too. Yeah, they blew it. I mean, not only did they blow a 17-point second-half lead, they blew it in like 10 minutes. Like it, it just unraveled so fast. And, you know, Dan Campbell's a huge part of that. Like it was execution. There was a bad drop on fourth down. You mentioned the Jameer Gibbs fumble. Like that was costly. But, God, I mean, your head coach, you had a chance to kick a field goal to go up three scores at the start of the second half, right? San Fran got the ball first. They marched down the field. They kick a field goal. Okay, well, you can wash that out with a field goal of your own. Instead, you decide to go for it. You don't get it. San Francisco gets the ball, and they've got the momentum. And then you're down by three in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, and you don't tie the game. You go for it, and that play never had a chance. The throw to, I guess, Amonra St. Brown. It was really a throw to nowhere from Jared Goff on that side. Like, what are you doing, Dan Campbell? And that's, I think, look, Chip's talked about this a lot. I think Lion fans were fearful that at some point Dan Campbell's recklessness was going to actually cost them. And it's fine in the regular season, right? Cowboys game, obviously controversial ending, but Dan Campbell caught some heat for deciding to go for two even after that illegal touching penalty. It's like, dude, kick the extra point. You just got moved back a bunch. Like, just force overtime. What are you doing? Okay, that's a regular season game. You've got 17 of those to work it out. Spot in the Super Bowl on the line to be doing reckless shit like that. He went full Aggie, dude. It's Aggies versus Longhorns. That's what you had on the coaching staff. Mm. And the Longhorn did what Longhorns usually do when they play A&M. They, they won. Kyle Shanahan won the coaching matchup. Dan Campbell just pissed down his leg. And obviously the players didn't do their job either. I mean, it takes a village to have a collapse like that. But man, your head coach is supposed to help you out in those spots. And Dan Campbell did not. He did the exact opposite of that, as a matter of fact. Yep. So for the second time in four years, you've got the Chiefs and the Niners duking it out for the Super Bowl. This time around, it will be in Vegas. Of course, Super Bowl 54 went to Kansas City, 31-20. to 20. The final score in Miami. San Fran was favored in that game. It did not matter. The Chiefs won outright. Uh, we'll see if uh, history repeats itself in Sin City one week from Sunday. All right, I see our guest. He's ready for us. He's actually signaling that he wants he wants the call to the bullpen. It's one of our favorites. Guy's been with us since the advent of the award-winning midday with Trey and BK. You can find his work at InsideTexas.com. You can also find his work on the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel. The man, the myth, the legend, Justin Wells, is with us. What's up, Jay Wells? Yo, what's good, you two? <laughs> it is so good. To see both of y'all's ugly faces, man. Like I was telling Trey the other day, this this brings me joy 
Then they get to hang out with you. We're going to try to make this a regular thing on Mondays. And the thing is, you're, you, it's only you two on Mondays. There's nobody else. There's no other shows. There's no other radio. It's just you two. It's just Trey and BK. Because you two deserve a day. And you're going to get it. <laughs> I love it, man. Thank you very much for that. That's very kind of you. Uh, we're talking NFL, so before we get into the Texas stuff, I, your thoughts on the games yesterday. I, I know you were locked in. I saw you tweeting about both. Just, uh, two great games that came down to the wire, but uh, your biggest takeaways from the conference championship games. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love those Sunday games just because, you know, there's so much riding on it. It's like, okay, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? I kind of like to – I just like that idea of, like, all right, who's going to be the two teams that, that, that figure it out? In the first one – I was I was a little surprised at how undisciplined Baltimore was. I really was. Um, you know, my son, he's seven years old, and he is full on into this stuff now. Knows all the players, knows all the details. Like this is a big deal to him. And before the game, we always he always asks, "Who are we rooting for? Who do you think is going to win? And what's the score going to be?" Like he 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 wants to do all that. We're Kansas. We're, we're Patrick Mahomes people. He's from White House. That's East Texas. That's ten minutes down the road. That's our boy. We love we love Mahomes. So we'll root for the Chiefs. Andy Reid's a great man. There's Charles Amenahu, a good friend of mine. You know, there's plenty of reasons. Keontae Ingram from Carthage, Texas, former Longhorn, he's on the, the Chiefs roster. And so, and, and my son Alexander said, well, Lamar Jackson's never been to a Super Bowl. But Mahomes has been to like two or three, maybe four. I think Lamar deserves to go to a Super Bowl. I said, you know what? I think you're right. I'd like to see Lamar. I said, if they're going to do it, it's going to be this year because they've got a great team and a great defense. And they self-imploded. They tried to play bully ball with Kansas City, and it backfired. Like, it just did not go well. That was an incredibly undisciplined team. I don't blame, you know, <laughs> I don't blame a lot of it on the on, on Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you. I, I think it was a bad game plan, and I think both sides of the ball for, for Baltimore were just undisciplined. You can't have that many personal fouls. You can't have that many just bad opportunities. And then when Zay Flowers fumbled the ball going across the goal line, I thought, that's it. This game's over because they, could, they couldn't get in the end zone after the first drive anyway. It's like this thing's over. And so happy to see Mahomes go back. I mean, it's ridiculous. Six years starting in the NFL, and he's been to six AFC championships and four Super Bowls. Like, his stuff for the first six years is so much better than Tom Brady's. I had no idea the amount of more touchdowns Mahomes has had over than Brady did in that first six-year window. It's ridiculous. So when they start putting him in the GOAT conversation, it's kind of legit now. Like, okay, like, Okay, he's got skins on the wall. We got to have this talk. So happy for those guys. I'll, I will say I'm not looking forward to the Taylor Swift crap for the next two weeks. I mean, drop a new album, I'm in, but get her off the screen. I, I don't care. Nobody cares. I don't even think Taylor's family cares. Um, as for Detroit and San Francisco, it's funny, man. I picked Detroit to win this game. I actually predicted Detroit to win. I've watched them play a dozen times this year, and I thought, this is a team that can surprise some people. They're, they were surprisingly solid on defense, and they, you know, they got a pass rush. And then on offense, I thought they were just they, – they knew their identity. They knew who they were. Run the ball, throw it when you need to. Sam Laporte is a great tight end, blah, blah, blah. Run the ball, throw when you need to kind of deal. And 
that 10 minute, 15 minute stretch in the second half, guys, like it couldn't have gone any worse at all. Like <laughs> it was almost as helpless as watching the Cowboys play in the playoff game three weeks ago. <laughs> you know, God forbid. Uh, it was bad. And I felt bad for Detroit Lions fans because one, you know, up for about three weeks in January, it's been like a movie up in Michigan. First, the Wolverines win the national championship. Then you're literally a half away from the Detroit Lions going to their very first Super Bowl. And and we like stories like that. I like Dan Campbell. I like his 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 kind of way of old school throwback, you know, be tough, just just no excuses kind of deal. But I'll say this. Why in the hell does the Lions have a kicker? Because on the road in an NFC championship game, you cannot leave points on the field. You can't. Especially if you're a seven, what was he, a seven point and a half dog? Yeah. And you're leaving points on the field. Uh yeah, I, I'm not gonna, you know, do a whole lot of armchair quarterbacking, but I was kind of hopeful Detroit would pull that out and we'd have a fun. Kansas City, Detroit, Super Bowl. What? No, San Francisco had different plans. If you can't tell, I'm very anti-San Francisco. That that usually happens when you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I have no love for the the red and gold whatsoever. Um, do like Kyle Shanahan, though. Him and Chris Sims matching tattoos. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think both games were fun. I, I, I do. I, I felt bad for Detroit in the end. But, look, San Francisco's really good anyway. You knew they were going to have some sort of comeback. I think Brock Purdy played well. Christian McCaffrey ran like he was determined. And so now we get a rematch of the Super Bowl a few years ago. We got Kansas City and San Francisco going back. I think it'll be a good game. Actually, I think it'll be a great game. Um, And so now we get two weeks to absolutely dissect every angle of that game. And so um, I I was happy with the results. In watching those games yesterday, Justin – how far off do you think the Cowboys are from competing on a stage like that? They're not far, Trey. They really aren't. That being said, man, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, other than Jerry Jones' eventual death, I don't <laughs> know what the answer is. I really don't. Because until you bury him, it's going to kind of be the same thing. It's going to kind of be the same pattern. Great regular season. They bring you in. They trick you. And then they go to the playoffs, and it's and it's usually a disaster. Um, I don't think they're far, Trey, but I'll say this. The window is closing. And you and I talked about this over last summer. Like, they've got the talent there, but that window is closing, and they have contracts to renew. And when you, have, when you get into that realm of, of, of talent in your roster management – that's when you start to take a dip because you can't afford everybody. And you got to re-up with Michael Parsons. You got to re-up with CeeDee Lamb. You got to find a regular run game. I think Tony Pollard can do it, but for whatever reason, they weren't utilizing it. I think they found a couple tight ends, especially Jake Ferguson. I think he can be a future stud. And on defense, they lost a lot of guys to injury, and they replaced them with some decent guys, but you, you need a Trayvon Diggs back, back there. You need a full season of Deron Bland getting starters reps because he had, you know, he broke the record for pick sixes in a season and then got picked on religiously by a guy named Love. And so they're not far, but ah, that gap, it's closing. It's not good. Yeah. All right, Jay Wells, on 
to the, well, I was going to say from the pros to the college kids, but it's really from the pros to the pros who are just a little bit younger now. The minors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some unfortunate transfer portal news for Texas. I mean, Sark and company have dominated the portal since the offseason started, but over the weekend, Jabbar Muhammad, the former Washington corner, announced his commitment to Oregon. Your thoughts on that? And also, is Texas in the market for a corner or anybody in the portal right now? I know the window will reopen after the spring, and maybe that changes things. But any sort of portal names that Texas fans should maybe be paying attention to over the next couple of days or weeks? You know, guys, I I want to say this. I, I think the portal for this window is closed. Now, you've got a couple guys from Michigan that could flirt with the portal. And if that happens, there's a couple defensive linemen that if that happens, I'm sure Texas is going to kick the tires on. But with Muhammad heading to Oregon, and they had their eyes on a a 6'4 DB out of Arizona named Takario Davis, and that fell through. And so now, from what I understand, they're going to probably just wait until post-spring when the window reopens because you're going to have more guys hit in and jump in after that part because they're either going to be in the rotation in spring ball or they're not. So it's going to be obvious. I mean, I even think Texas is going to lose a few more guys uh, once post-spring happens, especially on the offensive line, some of those younger guys. But right now, I think they're done. I really – listen, Jabbar Muhammad and Takario Davis and some of those other, other DBs, to me that was house money. Like you, You're good there, but you want to add talent. You know, that's what Sark does differently than I think a lot of college coaches. It's talent acquisition. It's roster building. Hey, well, you didn't really need a starting corner, <laughs> but you don't turn down a top 100 kid in a Jabbar Muhammad. You don't turn those guys down. So you naturally pursue. But I, I think it's closed right now, uh, Kellner. Outside of, of Michigan, if you have a few of those guys hit the portal, I, I think you could see Texas kind of looking, looking there because – Going into the SEC, we've, we've talked about it. We know they want to get at least one, maybe two defensive linemen from the portal going into 2024. They did that, adding Sevilla out of Arizona, and I still feel like they want to add one more, but I feel like it's going to have to come after springtime. And as you and I talked about previously, Justin, you have to be careful even when you're talking about bringing elite talent in because if you feel good about a position group, all of a sudden you – run the risk of upsetting the apple cart, if you will. And look, I'm all for competition uh, begetting greatness, but uh, when things are already really good, sometimes there can be a grass can be a little bit greener mentality that actually messes with the overall chemistry of things too. And you know, that's, you know what? I give Sark a lot of credit because that is the line. I think these coaches and programs are trying to balance Because you can, like you said, you can screw up a recruiting class. You can screw up a position room, you know, just by bringing in another guy or the wrong guy. You know, ever since Ajay Hall and Jalil Billingsley, to me, those were the two bad marks that they brought in. Um, They have batted almost 100 percent, a thousand, really, because they're, they're now more judicious with culture takes. They're like, okay, you're a physical take, emotional. Are you a locker room take? Are you buying into what these guys are doing? Because if you don't, they're not even going to mess with you. And that's the beauty of the guys they brought in. I think it was what eight, eight guys, maybe nine from the, from this last offseason, from this offseason. 
each one of them has a role. Each one of them isn't necessarily stepping on another player's toes that was going up and getting recruited. Yeah, there's some younger guys that are going to have to fight even harder for reps, but that's that's college football. That's part of the that's part of life. That's sports. And so it, you you really got to toe that line. You got to find that really happy balance because you can mess up the apple cart. You can upset a player or a couple players and a set of parents. And then you you wind up risking losing a few guys. And then that affects your recruiting. And so with portals, you know, you got to be careful with who you bring in. You try to overload your roster, and you're going to look like Colorado last year. Hmm. And one example is Texas A&M. I can't remember how many guys they brought in. It looks like almost a completely different team. I want to say one-third of the team is different than when but before Elko took the job. And, and granted, they, you know, they had to do that because I think they've had two – classes now in the last two years just leave <laughs> i mean the majority of those guys just take off checks didn't cash or something something one check bounced or something you know whatever the excuses walter nolan and those guys were, were putting out uh it's pretty funny but uh you know like like an evan stewart and guys like that but um you know sark is smart about it he knows you have to be careful but he's also honest and i think that's why it works because he'll tell them Look, you're going to be on the rotation. And there might have been a few portal guys they liked that didn't like hearing that word rotation. Yeah. There was a couple of them I know for a fact wanted to hear, I'm going to be a starter, right? And so I said, no, I can't tell you that today. You get in here in the spring, we put you in a rotation, we'll see how it works. Well, some guys went to the portal to get that extra you know, year of film, of reps. They don't want to hear, well, I have to work to get on the, the field. I don't want to be in the rotation. I want to start and be my own guy. Well, Sark said, buddy, that, that's not how we do it here. And so I think him kind of putting that boundary down, being transparent, especially with the parents, and also the players' parents that are there, they let them know, look, we're kind of looking at a guy over here. You know, we're looking at the, we're looking at a couple of players potentially in this room. We need more depth. And they could have used some more depth at corner. I think they're good there, but you can never have too many good corners. And so at the end of the day, Sark has figured out, I think, a good little happy balance. I think he's found the boundary and the line. And it can always go sideways. You never know with person different personalities. But just look at the core guys that they brought in. You're talking about unbelievable kids, not just talent. Like Trey Moore might be a better person than he is football player. You know, Isaiah Bond is already showing, and Andrew McCuba, matter of fact, are already showing leadership type qualities in, in, in workouts. And so Sark's been really good about that. Don't bring in too many. Don't 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 get greedy. I think is yeah. the thing that a lot of college coaches need to remember. Jay Wells, this is the first time we've had the chance to talk to you since Kenny Baker was hired as Texas's D line coach. I know you guys at Inside Texas have written a lot and talked a lot about Kenny Baker, but uh, would love to get your thoughts on the hire and just kind of what the Texas coaching staff is looking like now going into twenty twenty four. Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, you know Sark did a pretty good job assembling that first coaching staff he did a lot better than charlie strong and tom herman did like he he took it he, he literally went out and got the best he could get and that's what you're supposed to do when you get to get head football coaching job at texas and what i've noticed is when guys move on to bigger better things um he brings in younger coaches and i think he's doing that for a reason you know bo davis did a lot of good for texas multiple times multiple stops a lot of good you know, I'll never forget, you know, we'll, I, like I told Coach Bo, we'll always have Iowa State bus. We'll always have Ames at night, you know, transcribing that 
uh, rant, uh, rage was was one of my favorite things I've done in this job. But Bo was a little older, and I don't know how much Bo really enjoys recruiting. And Sark's not about that. Sark wants somebody young who's energetic, who wants to prove themselves. Bo has nothing to prove. Kenny Baker does. Kenny Baker wants to climb that coaching ladder. That's why he went from a Western Kentucky to the NFL. That's why he worked for a Vic Vangio, which if you talk to any coaches about this hire, they that you name that guy and you automatically check a box. And it's like that's that's exactly who you'd want him to come from. Yeah. You know, I believe he's the new defensive coordinator for the Eagles now. And so Kenny Baker, from what I understand, I talked to a couple of players at Miami, uh, at Miami who actually were former Longhorns, and I just asked them, you know, what's he like? And they said, well, you know, we didn't necessarily work with him in his room. He said, but he never holler. He's not a holler guy. He wasn't a screamer or a holler. He said he was more of kind of a hands-on type of guy, more of a, a teacher uh, and more of a motivator in that kind of sense. I think Kenny Baker is very well known, actually, in the South region, specifically Georgia, Florida, you know, the, the capital of the South Atlanta. Now that he now he gets to go in those, those 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 high schools with Texas on one side and SEC on the other. And that's going to give him instant credibility. And he's young, like I said. And so he's got something to prove. He doesn't have all those skins on the wall like Bo Davis does. Kenny Baker needs to prove that. And when you're hiring somebody, that's that's a good data point. That's a good, that's a good marker. Hey, what has he done? Oh, he hasn't done much. That means he has a lot to prove. And so I think with Kenny Baker, it's going to be a kind of a mixture of that. Uh, the linemen will get used to it. They'll get adapted to it. I was talking to a defensive lineman this morning, as a matter of fact, got a story up at Inside Texas about it. One of the national guys out of Nashville, Tennessee, and he's and he told me, I, I'm ready to meet this guy. Like, I've been talking to Sark since Coach Bo left, and, and now I'm ready to meet this guy. And so I think there's a little bit of eagerness there. And, and so it, the truth is we didn't know a lot about Kenny Baker before this hire. I certainly didn't. You know, I was we had all this stuff prepared for Roderick Wright. We thought hmm. that was going to be the that, that was going to be the move, but but Mr. Wright decided I, I don't think he's the biggest fan of recruiting at this stage. And when you're in the NFL, you don't have to mess with it. Kenny Baker does. He wants to do that. He wants to kind of build up that reputation. And I think that's what you're going to see is a, a young, eager guy. That's what that's kind of been the the mo of these new hires that that. that he's brought in, whether it be Johnny Nansen or not so much Nansen, but what to Char Choice and a Chris Jackson, you know, kind of these guys that, you know, you didn't necessarily expect all of a sudden, but they're young, they're energetic. And with this generation of college football athletes, I think those guys actually do a better job because they relate to this younger core so much better. It's two steps forward and one steps back for the Texas basketball program. A couple nice wins over Baylor and Oklahoma, and then they lay an egg at BYU on Saturday. They need to have a short memory, though, with number four, Houston, coming to town tonight for a big Monday game that's 8 o'clock on ESPN. Where are you with Rodney Terry's bunch right now, Justin? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I was okay. I was okay with this group until Rodney Terry made a big deal after Central Florida. And now, man, I'm not a fan. I don't care what they look like now because I think Terry literally opened up a can of crap that allowed every opponent Texas plays for the rest of their life to, 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 to abuse and to have fun and to make fun. And, and to me, I, I 
I thought it was almost a dead subject. I thought it was almost something that people, most people understood Texas fans don't care about horns down. They don't. They really don't. And then Terry, damn it, just ran his mouth about nothing. And so you better win a lot when you put your team in that position. You put your school in that position, not just your team. That was a black eye for the school. So you better win. You better win big. And then this conference, first through, I think, ninth, are all within a game or two of each other. That's ridiculous. It is brutal. The Big 12 is brutal. And wait till Arizona comes next year. Like this, Big 12 is big-time basketball. That being said, I think Texas can basically go 500 in conference, maybe a little bit better, and still get into the national tournament. The inconsistency, though, I mean, we saw that with Terry before. Um, it, they, they get up for the big games. Baylor was huge. Oklahoma, you know, that's a rivalry game. Guys are going to be ready. Then you then you you look bad against a, a pretty average BYU team that shot the ball really well, but maybe you need to get out on the on the shooter a little quicker. Maybe you need to rotate your your help side a little bit quicker when you're giving up those kind of shots. And so I'm indifferent on basketball now, guys. Like I, I was a little more into it before Central Florida, but when Terry did that. That made me think, why are you worrying about that and you're not worrying about what you're doing wrong on the floor? Why are you worrying about that crap when you need to fix some issues on offense and defense? Defense especially. Why are you worrying about nothing when you got something you need to fix? And so for basketball, I'm I'm indifferent right now, guys. You know, I, I'd like to pull for – I think Coach Terry is a great man. I really do. But ever since Central Florida, I've had a sour taste in my mouth. I think other Texas fans have as well. And it's at a point where you're going to have they have to win. Because if they don't, it's just going to get it's just going to pile up. And, and 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 all the all the minutia of the crap of horns down is just going to continue to come out. It couldn't have gotten worse at BYU than when the BYU officials had the had the play, had the the fans change their shirt. Uh. What are we doing here? This is college athletics. I remember going to college games as a kid and the fans would call out the girlfriend's name of the players on the court. And, and, you know, Hey, I was with so-and-so last night. Tell her, I said, hi, when you see her after the game, like that's the fun part of high school and college athletics. It's the taunting. It's the back and forth. It's the emotion. That's part of collegiate sports guys. That's that that's fun to me. And Terry just sort of crapped on that. And so I, I'm indifferent at this point. They better win. They got Houston tonight. Houston's good. Yeah. Kelvin Sampson's got a squad down there at, off of Cohen Avenue. And, and listen, the Cougars are going to be ready. Texas can't screw around because Houston has shown a penchant for, for separating from some of these big, big guys in the Big 12. They've had no problem assimilating to this conference. They better be on their toes tonight because Houston's coming for blood. If that, if I know Kelvin Sampson, and don't forget, he used to coach at Oklahoma. He understands Texas basketball as well as anybody. Uh, they better be prepared because Houston will abuse the horns if they don't come out ready. Hmm. Last thing for me, Jay Wells. Just want to uh, give you the chance to promote the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel and also the website. What's, uh, what do you all have brewing at both of those spots today and this week? Man, guys, I sure do appreciate that. Yeah, the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel. Give it a like. Give it a give it a subscribe. Give us a shot at it, man. Just just come see us. We're having a lot of fun. We, we we've got a regular schedule. We've got a regular staff. We're 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 doing different things with different hosts and, and different subjects. 
Um, I absolutely love Paul Waddlington getting more involved because you guys both know as well as I do. That's one of the smartest guys on the planet, and he's such a good guy. Uh, granted, I've got to use a Google every time he references something <laughs> out, out, of, out of left field. But that's just me. That's my fault. Um, Drew Kelson is killing it with, with his angles on recruiting and, and coaching changes and, and, and different schemes. And and so it's, it's just been so much fun. It, it really has. So please just give us give us a shot at it. Like and subscribe at Inside Texas Football YouTube channel. And come see us at InsideTexas.com. We're running a special right now. It's a dollar for a month. And I got to tell you, you know, we, we, we used to say this all the time. There's never a better time to come sign up. Well, honestly, there's not. Texas is riding a lot of good momentum coming off this 2023 season, Big 12 title, uh, college football appearance, uh, almost made it to the national championship game. Um, they've got a great recruiting class. The, the foundation for 2025 is already looking great, not to mention 80% of the 2024 cycle is on campus already. That, that's no longer a trend, gentlemen. That's the standard. If you want to play at Texas, more than likely, you're going to need to skip half your senior year because Sark has a standard. He wants self-motivated, self-possessed, self-controlled guys with time management skills and and being you know being being bought in early. He wants those guys, and so there's really not a bad, better time. Let us earn your business. Come hang out with us at InsideTexas.com. It's a great time. I know Trey and Kellner are, are, are on there with the F5 on a regular basis. I love seeing it. I love you too, and and I love what you guys are doing here with with, with Texas Sports Unfiltered. Amen. Oh, we we love you too, my friend, and are ecstatic that we get to have these regular conversations once again. Same. Yes. Yes. All right, brother. You're the man. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, yeah, look forward to talking again next week. Hey, nothing but love, gentlemen. Yes, sir. There he goes. The great Justin Wells, InsideTexas.com, Inside Texas Football on YouTube. And uh, look, y'all support us. We appreciate y'all's love and support. Y'all can go support them, too. We, uh, we love the team over at Inside Texas. Great people who do great work covering the Longhorns. All right. Long conversation, but a good conversation. Trey, you want to go live or recorded today for our friends at Pest Wranglers? Recorded? Okay. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? Right, it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism as it's all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Today is something a little bit different, BK, because not as often as I would probably like. We used to do a bit on the old radio show it was called Brad Kellner's Parental Advice of the Week, where I would take situations that I would encounter as a parent and ask for your advice on these things. And to be completely honest about it, oftentimes you would handle it more maturely than I do. So I have another example like that. Don't, uh, don't forget to mention the sponsor of that segment. Remember who that sponsored, was? Sponsored by Dying Alone. Yeah, I want to make sure it's over back, I guess. I want to make sure they uh, get some love for that. Yes, those who are dying alone sponsor 
Brad Kellner's parental advice of the week. So yesterday, my kids each played a basketball game through I-9. Very excited about the new basketball season getting going officially last Sunday. And so we've got like six more weeks of this now. Well, Calvin is, uh, he is very in tune with fashion. He's very in tune with uh, how he looks, how his hair looks, and all that, which is fine. Love, love that he pays attention to those details. Those are things that don't interest me all that much, but to each their own. Well, Calvin is also not afraid to take some risks with his hair. He's done the, the mohawk in the past. He shaves the head. Right now, he's got the mullet rocking, BK. Nice. So yesterday, prior to our game, I come downstairs, and I see Calvin sitting on the couch, and he has decided to put his mullet in a ponytail, which is a horrific look. Like man bun? Not even a man bun. It's in the back, like back ponytail. It's just like a this much hair. It's like bunched together. It's like the, the tiniest little baby ponytail. But he's <laughs> done that with his mullet. And so... I come downstairs, and I'm not a fan of this, and I think, it. quite honestly, he looks stupid wearing a hairstyle like this, too. And I've let him get away with a lot of hairstyles. And so I said my piece and hurt his feelings and had to apologize pretty quickly after that. What did you say? You called him ugly? No, I said, dude, I mean, that's kind of a mullet. Uh, the, The ponytail is not like that. The ponytail... If you were to just take that hair and cut it in half, yeah. it's like half that length. So the ponytail, like the the hair is more sticking out. Like it's going down a little bit, but it's like, it's just like this thin amount of hair that is being ponytailed up. And it looks, so I come downstairs and I'm like, dude, look, you do a lot of stuff with your hair. I'm cool with most of it. This is a bad look. Trust me. I'm like, you are not a guy in a, Miata Corvette going through a midlife crisis right now. You are not uh, somebody who's dealing cocaine to college kids. You're a seven-year-old basketball player. This is a bad look for you. It's not going to look good. And I'm just trying to help you out here. Sometimes I need to step in and say, this doesn't look good. And because he's my sensitive kid, his feelings got hurt, as they should have. It was a complete asshole move by me. So I sit down. I apologize. I'm like... Parents don't get it right all the time either. Clearly, that's the case with me. I'm so sorry. I hurt your feelings. You do whatever you want with your hair. At that point, I'd hurt his feelings to the degree that uh, I got my wish, and he didn't do his hair like that. He just rocked the straight-up mullet. Had a great basketball game. Bygones were bygones, and that is that. So my question for you, Brad Kellner's Parental Advice of the Week, sponsored by Dying Alone, is how, if at all, would you have handled that situation? Well, let me say a couple of things here. Number one, I'm not sure what the Miata Corvette is. I believe those are two different cars. So I I don't know what you were going for with that. Oh, I was going convertible. Excuse me. Mazda, Miata, Miata. convertible. My apologies. I was like, what is that? Number two, are we sure that your son is not dealing cocaine to college kids? Have we confirmed that? If he is, I've got to start charging him rent because he's making... (laughs) He's making... (laughs) He's making as good, if not better, money than I am right now. So he's got to pay. He's got to chip in. It'd be an impressive gig for him at that age if he uh, was able to corner that market. 
Uh, I'm on your side here. I'm not often on your side, but, you know, kid is a reflection of you. You can't go out there looking like an idiot because then that makes you look like an idiot because then parents start talking like, what parent let that kid dress like that? Exactly. It's an extension of dressing like a total moron. Like, yeah. dude, like he's not a total moron to do his hair like that, but it's a ba- it is a really bad look for him. Look, being a parent seems like the hardest thing in the world to do. I have the utmost respect for good parents because I, uh, my God, that's the hardest full-time job I think that's ever been created in the history of the world. So it's hard to know like what the right balance of over-parenting versus under-parenting is. I think a big problem with some parents these days is that they do under-parent so much. They just like are scared of upsetting their kids that they don't step in and stop stuff that they probably should stop. So I think you did the right thing. Like if you don't call him out on that haircut, the next one could be even worse. And then he could be, you know, starting to dress differently and doing all this other stuff because he thinks he can get away with whatever physical appearance he wants because you guys are willing to give him whatever he wants at any time. So get away with a lot. There's just that, that line. It's a line that's really far off, but he actually did cross the line yesterday with what he was trying to do. And so it was up to me. Maybe I could have been a little bit nicer about it. It was up to me to be like, is this really the look that you're going for here? Do you want to look like uh, somebody in their mid mid to late fifties who's driving a Mazda Miata convertible around desperate for people's attention? Mm, I, I drove that car in high school, believe it or not. You drove a Miata? Yeah, I think my dad went through like a midlife gay crisis where he wasn't sure if he was gay or not. So he got a Miata. <laughs> How did you even fit into a Miata? Those are small cars. You're a big dude. Small car. Yeah, high school, I was pretty short. Uh, oh, yeah, you had the growth spurt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he got rid of that thing, thankfully. Some girls thought it was cool, and then I found out it was, like, known for being a gay car, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good on this. Mm. I'm out on that. Sorry was- for, uh, for any strays that you got, Papa K. Didn't mean to, uh, <laughs> didn't mean to hammer you with my analysis there. I think you did the right thing. I think you did the right thing. You can't have your kid looking like an idiot out there. You got to step in and prevent that from happening. So uh, you could have been meaner than I think you were. So I'll tip the cap to to you for that one. Good learning moment. All right. Well, thank God. I was a little worried that uh, Chip Brown was not going to show up today because of what happened to his football team yesterday. But I'm glad you are alive. I'm glad you were here. Now I have to know how you're doing. CB. I'm hurting, man. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I've tried to look on the bright side, then every five minutes I'm like, F the bright side. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, what happened? What happened there. yesterday? It was there. Um, well, put very succinctly by a bunch of my Longhorn um, friends. The Aggie showed up and went Aggie. Don't forget Josh Reynolds, too. You got two Aggies going, Aggie. Throw Josh Reynolds in there, too. Aggies. There we go. Went Aggies. And Kyle Shanahan just collected the Collected the fallout of the Aggies being Aggies. But uh, 
Yes, I can finally wash the jersey. The jersey's getting washed. Um, but listen, I'm I'm like I'm like the old I'm EF Hutton on kicking field goals on the road. Take the points on the road. Because you don't want to give the other team momentum. That's my whole thing. It's like forget analytics, all that. There are times where you just need to <clears throat> keep stacking points. And that's how I feel about it. I get it. Dan Campbell has been the riverboat gambler all year. But there are just times you got to feel the game. And when you have a chance to make it a 17-point lead, let's do that. Because the worst thing you could do was go on a four-minute drive and come away with nothing to start the third quarter. And that's exactly what happened. And then it just felt like the air started coming out of the stadium so that when you had the uh, – how does, how does Kendall Vildor – have the ball go through his hands off of his face mask and pop right up into the hands of Brandon Ayuk. Like that that play will be replayed for 20 years. The, the game is next to over if he catches that ball. Yeah. And Cameron Sutton dropped an interception right away. Like, but you're up 17. You're dominating on the ground. San Francisco's looking around like, uh, you had it. You you had control. You you will you yielded control. And then you kept thinking your your team's gonna get it back, and then crazy shit happened, like Jameer Gibbs, who's lost one fumble all year. It was the same move that Bijan Robinson tried to make at Texas Tech. Remember, he tried to spin in a crowd, which is always tough. Mm. And he gets, you know, he gets the ball pulled out. And 31 for the 49ers played a great game. That dude was the luxurious sneed of the 49ers. But, oh, man, I mean... You get a 74-yard punt that sits up on the one and the dude doesn't know where he is and takes the ball into the end zone. <laughs> like, that was a huge play. Yeah. Well, this is about as depressing as I thought it would be. You guys have fun over the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yo, man. This shit. <laughs> Yo, man. I'm going to have to... Lively this up a little bit, but man, yeah, it's woo, like a funeral in this thing. Well, as soon as our show starts, we can just uh, oh, we just man. throw haymakers. <laughs> Yo, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, man. I'll do the more traditional goodbye. Y'all have a great show. <laughs> Appreciate you.